Hey guys, welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. I am Michelle Pickens. I am your host and the creator of chronicallyblonde.com. You can head over to the website to hear a bit more about my mission, um, how I got started, and just some background on me. But this is my second episode back since my maternity leave that I gave myself. Um, so my first episode back was my daughter McKenna's birth story. Um, and with that, we're really focusing on the beautiful moment of her coming into the world, how, um, just different of an experience that was from, um, the previous more traumatic birth scenario that I had. Um, so really was focusing on the positives, um, with that experience. I wanted to do a separate episode talking about some of the complications and, um, just situations that arose um, prior to birth and after giving birth, um, because I think these are, are important to talk about. And I wanted to do it separately um, just because I wanted to keep her story really positive. Um, and I separated it in, in my mind kind of like that, too. Um, and then all of the, the other stuff that happened with me kind of separate. Um, I also think that there's a lot to dive into on potentially... Um, you know, the Crohn's component, the medication component to impacting um, some of these things that happened or, or didn't happen. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack. So I'm just going to take you through kind of chronologically. Um, if you are following along on Instagram, you probably know some of this stuff, but this will help fill in, um, fill in some of the gaps. So if you listened to the episode um, right before I had McKenna, I was giving an update on um, the fact that I was going to be on Remicade through my whole pregnancy. I really had to advocate for that. And there's a lot of mixed opinions on if that was okay, if it wasn't okay. Um, just every doctor I feel like had a different opinion, um, which made it very difficult. Um, but when I was in those final weeks, I would say probably like week 35, um, I started to like feel really sick again and there was no real plan of what was going to happen because half of my providers were like, yeah, let's try and deliver at 37 weeks um, because that's what you did with Maddox. I had the um, potential coleostasis uh, coming into play. So that was, you know, what we were doing on the on the safe side there. Um, but then the other half of my providers were like, no, we need to go to 40 weeks. Um, so at one point, um, I was told to stop the Remicade, um, like have my, have my last infusion be, um, at least, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but it was, I believe it was like six weeks before I was supposed to deliver. So we at least had that, that time frame. um, or no, it was, I think it was four weeks because then by the time I could get the Remicade, it would be around six weeks. But basically, we, we had it planned so I wouldn't go more than six to eight weeks without the Remicade, but I wouldn't be getting Remicade super close to when um, I would be delivering or the end of the third trimester. So then I had the advice from one of the maternal and fetal um, medicine doctors to just keep going in the pregnancy and get my 
next Remicade infusion at 37 weeks and then try and deliver at 39 or 40 weeks. So there was a lot of back and forth between what made the most sense here. Um, and from a Crohn's perspective, I think, you know, that that has its own, um, I guess, factors that have to be looked at. Um, but then also from the coleostasis standpoint, um, I believe usually with that, you don't go past, um, that 37 or 38 week mark. So it was, it was just interesting to me because there was a lot of back and forth around what is actually happening, what's the plan, um, and it was unsettling because no one could give me a proper answer on what was best for the baby. I'm like, I don't care if I'm not feeling good, but I want to make sure that she's okay and we're setting her up for the best, you know, entry into the world. So we ended up, uh, like I said in, in the last episode, um, delivering at 37 weeks. So I, um, I went in and... It was very interesting because I met with the anesthesiologist and um, immediately they had to go and get some reinforcements because they had not had anyone who was on Remicade this close to a C-section, just this close to delivery. Um, and they were very concerned about infection in the, um, in the, spinal or in the epidural for the the c-section um so they're like yeah if you've had it within six weeks um you you can't you can't have this and i was like okay wait that no one told me this they were literally about to have me go and get one at 37 weeks and deliver at 39 weeks so this information just doesn't match up um and yeah, so they had to, they, the alternative was to put me under general anesthesia to deliver, which I really, really didn't want to do um, for a variety of different reasons. But they went and they had to get special permission to do the, the procedure um, because they had had Remicade uh, within six weeks. So Matt and I were just like, <clears throat> excuse me, Matt and I were just like, baffled because what would have happened if I would have taken the other advice and then kept going with the pregnancy and gotten the Remicade infusion. It was just such a clusterfuck. Um, so anyway, that was like kind of the first speed bump that we're like, okay, that's weird. Um, and then after she was born, um, I was back in the recovery room before they sent us over to mother baby. And it was just, um, you know, she was in the NICU, so it was just Matt and I, and I started to have a lot of um, blood loss, so a lot of bleeding. Um, I was already, like, stitched up and everything, but it was just a, a lot of, like, vaginal bleeding, um, and I knew that I was feeling kind of weird, but I'm like, you know, I just got out of major abdominal surgery. Like, sure, I feel weird, um, but when they were, you know, massaging um the uterus trying to get any extra stuff out. I don't know the medical term for this stuff, but this is, this is, uh, what, what my perception was. Um, and there was a lot of blood that wasn't really stopping. Now I am not sure if this is related to 
the Remicade or related to just me <laughs> in, in general. Um, but I was kind of freaked out because then um, there was talk of potentially having to do a blood transfusion, but then they, they really, they're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're hopefully not going to have to do that. And that had been something that we, we had talked about before when I had the, um, placenta previa. Um, so I was kind of like, all right, I mean, I was just in a daze. Um, but, and of course Matt's like eating a freaking Subway sandwich, watching me like just bleed everywhere, acting like it's, you know, another day for him because it is another day for him but I thought that was interesting um so then I really struggled for the days that we were in the hospital with continued bleeding so I eventually when I got my catheter removed and I got up to start um going to the the restroom uh by myself or well with a with a nurse um the first time I stood up, I just started gushing blood, which is like pretty normal. But I guess there was a lot more of uh, more blood loss than um, they were expecting. Um, so that was an interesting moment. So after this debacle, they brought up the blood transfusion again. And that's when I started to get kind of scared. Um, luckily, I didn't need that. So that that was really good. We were able to, you know, make sure that, um, I didn't have to go down that path, but, um, I lost so much blood. I passed out in, in the bathroom, um, in the, in my room at the hospital. I felt so bad. I'm like apologizing to the nurse. They're getting like smelling salts and stuff, trying to like wake me up. It was just, a, it's kind of a nightmare. Um, and another thing that, was kind of unexpected with the uh, the postpartum recovery stuff was the the pain level, which that is a whole thing that I'm that I'm gonna get into because it was unreal this time. Um, so with Maddox, I had the C-section, and like later that week, I was walking around pushing the stroller at the park, like. Probably not the best idea now looking back at it, but I was good. I was fine. Um, I didn't have any, you know, uh, complications with that that recovery. Um, so I really expected that it was going to be similar this time. Um, so I was in a lot of pain at first. And then when they had me try and get up, I was like, I, I can't get up. Like, this is way too early for me to start getting out of bed. Like I, I cannot move like, and they're like, no, you have to move. This is the same thing that, you know, you did last time. Um, but the pain was unimaginable compared to last time. Like I, it was the worst pain that I've ever had. Like even the, the pain was worse than when I could feel them cutting on the original C-section with Maddox. Um, so I was very concerned about what was going on because I wasn't expecting that. Um, and the explanation is they were cutting through more scar tissue than last time. Um, and it was just a different, a different surgery. Um, so I really, really struggled and that humbled me a lot because I feel like I usually have a very, pretty strong pain tolerance, um, and I was just so reliant on 
the nurses to help me. I couldn't independently do anything like getting out of um, bed, going to the bathroom, holding McKenna, feeding McKenna. Um, so that was that was interesting. So that brings us to the next uh, challenge that hit us, which is the postpartum preeclampsia. So I explained this with Maddox, um, how I, I had that, um, I, I was fine my whole pregnancy. And then after I gave birth, my blood pressure was elevated. I was put on medication for six weeks as I was leaving the hospital. And then everything went back to normal. Um, they were keeping an eye on me this whole pregnancy for the same, um, the same symptoms, but I didn't have any issues, um, up until my last blood pressure reading right before I was discharged. Um, so I wasn't totally comfortable going home at that point, knowing that I did have the, the elevated blood pressure and I wasn't able to see a doctor again. Um, but they were so swamped on the unit. Um, and, I, not that that's an excuse, but I was kind of like, okay, I, I guess like if you guys say it's fine. Um, and they just told me to monitor it at home. So of course I go home and that night I start feeling weird, getting a headache, dizzy, blood pressure is elevated. So I call and they have me turn back around and come back into the hospital. Um, so I bring McKenna with me and I bring my mom with me, um, because I still can't care for McKenna myself because of the C-section recovery. Um, so I get there and they're like, okay, it's a good thing that, that you're here. We'll do 12 hour, um, magnesium drip to see if that can, um, can lower your pressure. So that was a really weird feeling experience. I, I don't even know how to explain the, the mag drip. Um, but it was just uncomfortable, but then after the 12 hours, they're like, okay, like, we're just going to send you home. Um, and they were definitely trying to like move me off the unit because they were so busy. And the nurses were even telling me like, it's so busy. We don't have enough rooms. Like they're just trying to get people in and out as quick as possible. Um, so I was asking to see the OB again, um, because I really didn't feel comfortable going home without the blood pressure medication, um, because I was worried that my blood pressure was going to then be elevated once I got home. And, um, she popped in to see me, assured me that I was going to be okay. Blood pressure wasn't going to go back up again and just call if it did, but it shouldn't. So of course I get home and I'm like, all right, we should be fine. And I start to feel weird again and the blood pressure spikes again. So I am, playing phone tag with the on-call provider. Um, and finally they prescribed me the medication, uh, blood pressure medication that I had when I had Maddox. And immediately when I take, start taking that, I start to feel better. Um, and during this whole time, I wasn't able to talk to either of my regular OBs, um, because neither of them were, were available or on call. Um, so when I eventually did see them at my, um, visit, I made an appointment with them as soon as I, as I could. Um, they were like, wow, the good thing that you advocated for yourself and asked for this prescription because you definitely needed it, um, and you should have left the hospital to begin with, with it. Um, so I'm very thankful that I knew what to look out for. I advocated for myself. I had the support to help me with the kids as I had to go back to the hospital. Um, it is really scary though, because 
not everyone knows the signs of preeclampsia or postpartum preeclampsia and especially being dismissed um, and not maybe taken taken seriously um, when you're having these symptoms of, of such a serious, uh, you know, potential complication, that's, that's so dangerous. Um, so that's, that can be a whole, whole other topic for another time. But um, I was just really kind of disappointed with how I, how that experience went. Um, but I was proud for, you know, advocating for myself and, and making sure that I, I got the treatment that I needed. Um, so I continued, you know, once I got home, I continued the, the C-section, uh, healing and recovery, like I said before, was a lot more difficult this time. Um, definitely less mobile. Um, just the healing was a lot slower. Um, and I guess it was about a month, a month out. Um, I thought I would have been making more progress than I was. Um, I went to the, all my appointments that I had scheduled and the OB was like, it's looking fine. Everything's looking good. You're just in a, you know, in a, um, a different situation this time around. That's why the recovery is more difficult. Um, and then I, right around, it was around Thanksgiving, um, before Thanksgiving, I started to feel really sick and just like feverish, achy. Um, I like was just so exhausted. Um, and I, my incision was starting to hurt so bad. Um, so I looked at it and sorry, this is when it's going to get a little bit gross and, and graphic, but, um, it was, it had opened up from where the stitches were and just was oozing blood and pus. And I'm like, okay, this is definitely not good. Um, obviously. So I called the on-call provider. They sent me to the ER. Um, and they're like, Hey, don't go to the one right near your house. Go to the hospital where I delivered at because they'll have all my information. They could just take me right up to, to mother baby and we'll, we'll handle it. So we called in all of the reinforcements of our family to, you know, help drive me cause I couldn't drive at that point, um, to help watch the kids at home. Um, but I got to the ER and, it was a total shit show of mother baby saying that they can't take me, labor and delivery saying that they can't take me, no one knows where I am supposed to be going. Um, and then they said that finally they, the conclusion was that since I was more than a month, um, just by a little, more than a month uh, postpartum, it was no longer the OB's problem anymore or the OB, the department. Um, and I was so pissed because that's insane that that's a rule. I, my, my mind was just so blown. So I was calling the labor and delivery unit. I was calling mother baby unit just trying to speak to someone I know that they were probably so irritated with me but I I needed to be seen 
And I needed to see someone who could understand the situation and, and fix, help me fix the problem and, you know, get back to my family. Um, so eventually I spoke to someone and they were like, okay, yes, this makes sense. Even though you're past the month postpartum, this is still a, a maternal issue um, or postpartum issue. So I was taken back and um, they were able to assess the wound, uh, give me uh, pain medication. They, uh, I was there for a, a while. They did some imaging to make sure that the infection didn't spread anywhere else internally. Um, and they sent me home with an antibiotic. Um, and I was taking that for a couple days and just not really feeling better. So, uh, I get a call probably four days into the antibiotic and they're like, Hey, we got your wound culture back and, um, that you, you have a staph infection in the C-section incision and it is resistant to the antibiotic that they had prescribed. Um, so there was only you know, two other ones that they, that we could choose between, um, that potentially could, could work. So I switched to another one. Um, and that's when things really started to get better for me, but it was a slow process. Um, the infection definitely slowed down the, the, any progress that I had made. Um, it felt like every time I was kind of taking a step forward, then I was getting pushed two steps back. Um, and this whole time we're also dealing with McKenna having, you know, some of her own, um, own health issues with the lip tie, tongue tie, feeding issues. Um, and it was just a, a blur. I think with her and I, there was by, the, by after Thanksgiving, I was like, I am just praying that we have a day where no one has a doctor's appointment or we haven't been in the hospital um because that's how how bad it was at at that point so i think it's safe to say that this postpartum and c-section recovery uh, is definitely different than i had anticipated and definitely different than my first experience um, I think the first experience that I had uh, with Maddox, I'm realizing, was not the norm. And this is definitely more of a normal trajectory of recovery, which sucks. I wish that wasn't the case. Um, but I have been able to uh, have resources to support me, which I'm very thankful for. Having my support system, having the maternity leave that I do. Um, I've been working with a physical therapist now a couple times a week to uh, rebuild my strength and get me back on a, a better plan for functioning, being able to get back to my prior strength. Um, and then there's the mental health piece to all of this. So obviously, uh, I had struggled when I had Maddox with postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, and I was bracing myself for that to happen again, but it definitely hit in a whole different way um, going through these health struggles. Specifically, I think um, the infection that really got me because I, I thought that I would have been further along in my recovery at that point. And I felt like 
that really pushed me back and we weren't able to get into a schedule as a family. It was just survival mode. Um, and then really off the back of that, we went into dealing with McKenna's feeding issues and her allergic colitis. So up until uh, even now, I still feel like we don't have our schedule or what our regular life looks like, uh, even figured out. So definitely have had some, some mental health struggles with that, um, which, which I'll talk about. I wanted to share all of this, both the physical and mental side of, um, what birth and postpartum looked like for me, um, because I think it's important to, share the not so glamorous side and the not so enjoyable side um just to to be real with you all um but then I also think this really brings to light some gaps in you know our healthcare system our uh, maternal care that that we have it's really scary and I don't want anyone else to have to experience this. Um, so I, I just hope by, you know, bringing awareness with, with what I went through, maybe that can help if you are running into a situation like this or have a friend who is running into a situation like this. Um, I think one of the things that I struggled with throughout, um, throughout going through all these challenges was that it kept being brought up uh, of me being on the Remicade through the pregnancy. And if that contributed to any of this, um, especially with the, the infection piece, um, and there's no way to tell whether that did or, or didn't contribute. Um, and no one really has an answer. I still feel really confident in my decision to stay on the Remicade throughout the pregnancy, I think that was the best um, best decision for McKenna and best decision for me. Um, and I won't lie and say that when people have brought that up, when medical professionals have, have brought that up or questioned that um, over the past couple of months, it has been mentally really hard for me because I feel like, okay, I made this decision. I had to advocate to be able to stay on this medication and now I'm questioning did I make the right decision because all of these external people are, are questioning me um so it's been it's been a lot of me just reminding myself like I'm doing the best that I can and I'm making the best decisions that I can for for my family and I was making the best decisions I could with the information I had all throughout the pregnancy. Um, so this brings us back to the topic that is pretty much the theme of uh, all my content these days, which is that we need more support as pregnant women struggling with chronic illnesses. Um, we need more education about the treatments that we're on, education about any potential risks. And I'm hoping that through sharing my story and continuing to advocate, um, hopefully we can get closer to that ideal end goal. So always here if you guys want to reach out or have any questions, but I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening.